0: Welcome, everyone, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today on the precipice of all sorts of casting announcements for Star Trek Discovery, we have our first unconfirmed casting, that being... uh, Michelle Yao of uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, um, Tomorrow Never Dies, the Bond film. Uh, she's Ben coy when asked about it uh, in the media. She says CBS will make its own announcement in its own time, but admits she's a big fan. So take with that what you will, fans and Matt.
0: Indeed, exciting times. But uh, Pete, our focus today a bit towards the past. Uh, we are going to be providing for you, dear listeners, a commentary track for the classic Star Trek episode "Arena" that from season one, episode nineteen. Thought it would be a different way to uh, different way to talk Trek today, uh, and of course we will uh, sprinkle in trivia and indeed, Pete, a uh, a personal visit that one of us had to uh, to Cestus three, uh, all in good time
1: absolutely the alternate title of course for this episode for who of the gorns gorn
0: (laughs) Ah, well done pete so uh we are going to be watching this uh over netflix so that is the uh the remastered version uh i don't believe there have been any uh any timing changes uh compared to the uh, the original version um so uh certainly fire up your netflix grab your dvd your blu-ray your vhs whatever it might be heck pete it might even be on uh the old Betamax. so pete are you ready to press play indeed i am ready to press play so here we go listeners we're gonna we're gonna go three two one go are you ready pete yep all right then three two one go and pete by the way immediately we are seeing a uh one of those remastered shots there the planet looking a little bit more planetary
1: uh gorn green if you will
0: (laughs) by the way this whole conversation here i feel like there's a whole other conversation going on rank has its privileges wink wink the the commodore's personal chef i feel like i feel like pete it's one of those times where there's a dirty story going on in public but you're using coded language and being like oh man pete that that was a real merry-go-round meanwhile you know wink wink nudge nudge
1: I just love the inclusion of McCoy in any of these away missions. You know, you you get Kirk, you get Spock, but when McCoy's around and the the trio is uh is united, it's always special. I can't help but notice
0: in this uh transporter room scene by the way, and it's something that we've discussed in some of the other classic Trek episodes in in these remastered episodes the the face makeup on on Spock to kind of uh yellow his face a bit it's more prominent than um than I had recalled on d v d than I had recalled on you know t v airings and that sort of thing um so it's always interesting how these remastered episodes have a new uh new little things that they can reveal.
1: I was just picking how much uh makeup is on uh deforest Kelly's eyes. <laughs> there but no sooner do we beam down Matt what's going on
0: <laughs> Cestus 3 has been destroyed as we head to uh as we head to uh the credits there and actually uh speaking of the remastered stuff that wide shot at the very very end where you can see the uh see the um rolling hills in the background that's remastered there were homes in the shot and Pete they took uh they took either masking tape or or duct tape and uh, spray painted it, and then put it like over the shot to suggest a giant wall off in the distance. And if you look uh, look up pictures of it, it looks like somebody has taken a piece of duct tape, spray painted it, and put it over the top of the shot.
1: Either way, it's effective. You have that little tease there; they're going down. Uh, you know, gonna gonna see what's what, and dun dun dun, they're all gone.
0: Here we get that that wide shot again. Uh, this location that they are filming at, Pete, do you know where where in the world it is?
1: Well, it's not far from uh, downtown Los Angeles, I can tell you that.
0: Uh, it actually is about 45 minutes outside downtown Los Angeles. This used to be opposite of the, the rock formation that we'll be seeing later, all part of a Western set. This is a redressed Western set. This is now, wait for it the parking lot for people who want to go visit the rock formation, which is uh, an LA County park.
1: Well, you know what? It's also Cestus three. And, uh, I don't, uh, not buy, if you pardon the double negative, uh, the illusion for one moment, Matt, I am on Cestus three. I am clearly in the middle of what was an annihilation, a sneak attack. And uh, this is now a uh, a mission of mercy.
0: Yeah, it, because of the expanse of the set, uh, albeit, you know, it's dressed up with, you know, we have smoke in the background, we have rubble, which is not the most difficult thing to, to, to create. But because that's all on top of this existing set, uh, it really kind of sells the expanse of it, even though it's just it's a it's a Western outpost set with sci-fi, you know, sci-fi, sci-fi lipstick over it, if you will.
1: Now, Matt, uh, Spock just said he is detecting uh, cold-blooded, non-human creatures. And i want to I want to set uh, some of society straight here, matt. the The rub after seven hundred plus hours of Star Trek is that they slap a forehead or ears on somebody, and bam, they're an alien which is inaccurate on two fronts. One, when they do that, if they do that, uh, it's for variety. And two, uh, the monster we're about to see here, the Gorn, while uh, cheesy perhaps for our time, although I would argue not, uh, is still a way of holding up a mirror to humanity uh, via another creature.
0: Yeah, I mean, that 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 suit that we are going to see briefly i think because it is so iconic it's difficult to see it with new eyes and because it's not it's not 21st century um you know uh rubber molding and this and that the other uh let alone you know some kind of computer generated creature it it perhaps has aged a little poorly but it's an instance where you really have to put yourself back and and commend the show for having a having a big giant lizard guy
1: and it's not very often within a original uh series episode where we're getting full-on pyrotechnics in the camera matt
0: well and uh (laughs) one of these pyrotechnics i don't know if it if it is part of the final edit or not uh it was detonated too close to shatner and nimoy and uh, they both had uh, hearing loss in separate ears. Uh, in in Nimoy's case, for the rest of his life, uh, yeah. and uh, Shatner to this day.
1: That is pretty special. Uh, <laughs> that uh, they survived that, and it couldn't have, it, it could have obviously have been worse. But uh, now we're looking at those those red rocks there. Spock's pointing out across, hey, across that parking lot over there, about hundred yards <laughs> in that direction. <laughs>
0: It, it would become a parking lot, Pete. For right now I think it's just the the mesa across from whatever this was originally built to be, uh uh Oh we Pete, oh. I did try we got the flip. We got the flip from Shatner <laughs> and the crab walk.
1: Listen, you know, it's all gonna be good later when we get the two handed uh <laughs> fist punch.
0: <laughs> Again, it's like there's so much about this episode which is which is iconic beyond iconic that that it it remains a little difficult to see with fresh eyes but it's it's it certainly is one of the great classics
1: It's amazing that here sequentially 19 episodes in and then there are varying degrees by which uh, it is considered how far it is considered into the series but they have very easily fallen into this, pattern of you know kirk and spock and bones the the red shirt getting uh getting vaporized there before um you know kirk with the -the over-the-top theatrics (laughs) that would remain uh, mainstays throughout the uh the run of the original series
0: yeah it's incredible to think that they produced 29 episodes for the first season uh now it's 30 uh for for home viewing with the uh, with the inclusion of the cage um but i mean 29 episodes i mean it literally is a case that we would count ourselves lucky with some of these great shows star trek discovery including uh to get 13 episodes a season so on the one hand there's the there's the, the, the well-worn and familiar tale of uh star trek canceled after three seasons which is all true particularly true of its time but you look back now and you go Hey, seventy nine episodes. That's an awesome run.
1: It is. It's something that so many shows today, and and granted, it's a different landscape, but they would still count themselves lucky to have, um, you know. But you you look at the the pyrotechnics and Matt. I mean, Discovery hasn't aired yet, and we've already got pyrotechnics.
0: <laughs> that is true. As uh, as we see Leonard Nimoy getting lose part of his show.
1: hearing, the poor man. <laughs> Well,
0: it it was one explosion that affected both of them simultaneously.
1: And here they've 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 got the blue uh mortar shells here. Uh Spock having just tossed his <laughs> tricorder as a a makeshift <laughs> explosive. Well no, so, it's
0: it's that they've locked onto it, so right. techity tech feedback, techity tech. I love the design too of this grenade launcher. There's just something that's so so efficient about it. Probably poster par- tube. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's just it. You can also kind of see the parts there. You know, the poster tube, it's get whatever round sphere. Um, but uh
1: we need a bunch of uh we need half a dozen nondescript uh otherworldly looking spheres. I need you to go to uh every uh billiard supply. Uh, place in los angeles which is three and i want you to buy them out of carolina blue uh pool balls go <laughs> the sound what? effect oh yeah which you know, and, and you consider a time where obviously predating star wars and the tremendous work that ben burt has done there for sound design that's an a- iconic sound that we just heard though not as iconic as you know flipping over a tricorder or a phaser or beaming up or something like that
0: well you figure all these sounds are are analog you know they were all created from from real things um and then you add to it (laughs) my own personal relationship with these sound effects which particularly particularly that torpedo sound because they go from star trek you know classic trek to the animated series done by Filmation, and then Filmation hangs on to a lot of those effects. So I'm a kid growing up, mid-80s, watching He-Man, and that torpedo sound was used so heavily in He-Man, usually for, like, if it was, you know, things like, um, you know, He-Man's, He-Man striking the sword against the mountain to, to, to lop the top off a mountain or something like that. It was that sound effect. So, How
1: disappointed were you when you went to your first hospital and they did not have the the readouts um over the bed there like in the Enterprise uh sickbay? Uh, and I mean that's another
0: that's another iconic design that is so it's so clean and so efficient. Um it's something that in the earlier episodes I think they call a little bit more attention to or they they have the guy behind the wall, you know, with the lights or with the, the the different um designs going up and down. but uh, it's such a clean way to communicate to the audience this somebody's status, you know, and then you have the the bump bomb, bump that bomb, bomb.
1: the only thing more disappointing than seeing that uh, hospitals or moreover military uh sick bays were not like that of the USS enterprise was when I went to my first, uh, gym and realized they did not have the upward cycle that Kirk would use whenever he took a physical, uh, to push in the blocks there. That's still a million dollar idea. That's out there. Some Trekkies got to make a, a, a Trek themed or sci-fi themed, um, uh you know gym uh workout facility there's there's got to be a market man <laughs> absolutely absolutely
0: and uh of course moving now into uh some, some exposition of Kirk upset as to the uh, the nature of this attack here and uh i think there's a little evidence in the evidence from this scene rather that this core idea of star trek that i think Gets forgotten as the years go on that, that the, the concept of Classic Trek really was um, to be an anthology show with recurring characters each week. Um, of course, you see a little bit of that when you have kind of Magic Guy one week versus Submarine Movie in Space the next week. Um, but here, there, there's a closeness between the two characters that this scene is not showing. Uh, Probably in part because the story simply demands that.
1: And again, I find it that here by the the numbering, how it's presented on Netflix, 19 episodes in, that there's already this kinship, this simpatico, you know, Kirk with the bravado, uh, Spock with the logic, Bones really the bridge between the two and it it's just so free and easy,
0: well, and you mention you mentioned that uh that order on Netflix. I know that the officially across the board they have uh ordered the episodes in order of air date, which to me i that's a decision I disagree with. I think it should be in production order in part because you do see. The characters settling them settling into themselves in the production order, which is how it was released on on the uh, DVD. Um, also, you know, minor things like costume changes between the second pilot and the rest mm-hmm. of the series and all that. Uh, you know, it's a little to me. It was a weird decision. Uh, part of me has to wonder if it was also like, you know, Pete, the old the old hero and villain of Star Trek gets back to the studio. Hey, everybody already has it in. A production order or has the dvds what, what's going to get them to buy the the, the remastered blu-rays we'll, we'll do it original air date experience star trek like it was always meant to with new effects like it wasn't meant to even though i think the remaster is a great idea it's just yeah i'm not a fan of that
1: i truly can't remember at, at the time when uh matt and i first met i was finishing up what i call my trek mitzvah uh watching every single Star Trek episode end to end. I truly cannot uh remember what order I went with on the original series whether I went with the air date or whether I went with the production date.
0: Probably depends where you were watching. So where where did you where did you watch to complete your Trek Mitzvah Pete?
1: Well, I have them on I have them all on DVD. I still do, but I I'm pretty sure I went um air date which they may not be in i i didn't literally go off of the uh the the menu as presented i i skipped around ah, um, so oh oh pete i
0: don't know about that
1: at least that's what i remember
0: you, you gotta choose one or the other there i know <laughs> not not to sound really nerdy but if you were working off of the uh orange and green dvds uh which are the ones i I collected at the uh at what I would learn to be was the uh, you know, was the uh, the twilight of, of the DVD era, nay, the physical disc era. Um those are in production order, which yeah. Probably we're getting a little nerdy here, but
1: Pete, these things are important. They are, and I think so much of what sets up where we are, we're we're clearly by the time they're in this episode in a, in a groove, uh, they were becoming a pop culture phenomenon and it's an iconic episode like this with the green lizard alien and the, and the epic throwdown that's going to happen here. Uh, the camaraderie between the characters, this desperate situation that, uh, you know, made it what it was.
0: And this notion that they're going all the way up to warp eight, which you know, in in, uh, in classic nineteen sixties TV, there's two there's two things at tension here. They want to communicate that warp eight is oh that's dangerous territory. But the show always was committed to this very um, realistic bit of dialogue. I know in the book, the making of Star Trek, the the reference, the memo, the whatever it might be, that Gene Roddenberry gives is policemen. You know, because of course he's just talking about policemen because lady as a cop it's 1960 are you kidding me um but the policemen don't sit and go hey pete i'm going to take out my cult issue service revolver and load <laughs> it with my five bullets or six or whatever six bullets Th- this is the number of shots it can take before i must go into my ammunition holder it's just they take out their gun they use it and you see how it gets used so anyhow for kirk to take them to warp factor eight and it's Reaction looks from everyone going, oh, man, not Warp Factor
1: Eight. Is he serious with that? Um, but, you know, again, you you further build the crew here. We, we, we lay this on, on Sulu as a member of the crew uh, to, to pilot us there. They're calling out for Uhura uh, to get involved. Um, I'm pretty sure this is not an episode well, I know we're not getting, cause it's a uh, first season. We're definitely not getting, uh, check off. Um, but you know, ag- again, it's a situation where these people are doing their jobs as, uh, Roddenberry had, had pitched it. And, uh, it's, it's also got to get to the, to the popcorn on top of that and build the drama.
0: Yeah, as always with any of these classic Trek episodes, it is it is worth just taking a minute to say this scene that we are watching here with a bunch of military service people doing their job efficiently and ably. It is mind-blowing in in the 1960s to have, you know, to, to have some of these officers on, on the bridge on on a uh, you know, what is what is a science fiction hop skip and jump away from being you know a US Navy ship to have them there uh is uh, certainly was more astonishing
1: than it is now what is so amazing to me you know having grown up watching this set um you know i i've been on nuclear submarines as a tourist uh I've been on the USS Nautilus the first nuclear powered submarine which is now uh in in Groton Connecticut and Matt, they really got it right as far as dimensions as far as just the blockiness of um, the, the architecture and things like that, and then pushed it forward. Um, but but even some of the colors are there, not the brighter ones, of course, but you know it, it, it really does feel with the with the dedication plaques and and the lights and, and things like this like it is a vessel, um, you know, granted we're, we're talking, a a star fleet that is primarily based in exploration, but it, it feels like a military, uh, style, uh, craft.
0: Well, and you know, that's all the more credit to the series. And, and it's something that I regret the subsequent series moved away from, uh, I mean there's certainly there are, there's less use of primary colors on the Star Trek the Next Generation bridge but it's so kind of well lit and it's got all these blinkies and it's got all these interesting things to it and and I think that as the that production of Star Trek on television continued I think that they got a little bored with TV as usual and wanted to make it more military I think slowly forgetting that it needs to pop on TV and there's a reason that everything that we're seeing here even this cheap you know some of these characters right now are just being lit by a guy controlling a light it's visually interesting and it's bouncing off the reds the grays the 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 blinky lights in the background the orange of the the enterprise uh, schematic by the turbolift all of this is is, is color and, and and contour that is catch eye catching um, and hopefully to to circle it back to the past Pete and the future hopefully the discovery on star trek discovery is going for this kind of retro look
1: must have been so awesome to watch these air for the first time week to week literally not knowing what to expect um and just the phenomenon again that it became so quickly uh from you know what what seemed like an idea that wouldn't catch to something that was on the cover of tv guide within months to you know, Spock becoming a uh, a heartthrob even. But um, you, you, I remember from my youth, you know, you, you rarely, at least in my experience, you rarely ever caught one of these from the start. You were flipping the channels and you found one on. And, you know, you, you knew snips and, and, and snippets of it. And uh, I, I remember watching this and, you know, the the disembodied voice and the flashing, like, what's on the other side? Is this the one? We're going to see that big? Basketball-sized uh, head guy—is he in this one? You know what is it? Just trying to figure out the 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 wonder and the anticipation. <laughs> and then he's gone. And then the the rather rough
0: jump cut uh, <laughs> there—you know—done d- just about yeah you know, as perfectly as you could do. And then boom—I mean—to then. Go to uh, go to the, the close-up there on the Gorn. Pete, I must I know I've seen these episodes remastered. It must simply be remastered. The the, the eyelids there on the Gorn blinking. That's gotta be new. Because that would that just blew me away.
1: I don't know. And here we get this sweeping, you know, shot coming camera behind the Enterprise and, and back down to the planet. And uh, a modest alien who covers up his bits with a little toga thing.
0: Well, Pete, if there's something that <laughs> if there's something that we we as a as a society need to make sure of, it's that in these cold-blooded non-mammalian uh, creatures that they're they're bits which I don't I don't think you could see most reptile bits, but darn it, this way we're not we're not confused at
1: all. So we are approximately halfway through this episode. He is facing down the Gorn here. He's just given his uh his log. And now they are pulling makeshift clubs off of uh trees, Matt, and uh welcome to 1968, man.
0: Some of these like like so dated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the the Zooms. swing over the t- Oh, he just hit him with the with the two-hand and then the kirk chop. Look at this. <laughs> There needs to be a wrestling league that only uses James T. Kirk uh, moves, or a wrestler who competes essentially as James T. Kirk.
0: It certainly is. It's an interesting stunt decision. I understand the guy probably can't see. Uh, I believe the anecdote is when they would break for lunch each day, the stunt guy in there would would take off the boot, you know, the the foot boot. And sweat would just pour. He would turn the boot over, and sweat would just pour out. That what said, was
1: ca- the advertisement for a couple years ago, where Shatner uh, was sitting on the couch with the Gorn, uh, and they were they were fighting over something? Maybe it was the the remote control. I can't remember.
0: I think it was for a. Uh, it was a, a 2013 video game entitled Pete. Star Trek. There you go. Um, Uh, uh,
1: Just threw the boulder at him there. Something that probably would have worked better if the uh, suit had better eyes, be more in character for him to throw it, but now he's going to pick up a big old fake rock. He ain't playing around.
0: Yeah, I mean, despite some of the cheesier decisions, like you can have your stunt guy kind of walk with a purpose towards Kirk. I understand the slow... The slow punches. Um,
1: that was also very clearly a different rock than was on the ground that he threw.
0: Hey, Pete, back then they used to call it script girl. Now it's called continuity person. Uh, I guess they, they weren't, weren't, weren't doing the best that day. But again, here's the flip side, Pete. This is the first season of Star Trek. You probably know the answer to this. Why is Spock not red?
1: Because there were great concerns, uh, the uh, ears already made him look entirely too satanic.
0: And there was a whole bunch of the TV viewing audience that did not have color TVs. So it would have been a whole issue of his hue. And I'm not even saying necessarily like, oh, they were concerned that he would be uh, uh, of African background and that would upset people in the South. I'm not even taking it that far, although that, that might have been part of it. Just this idea of you would have been trying to have him be one color and on a whole millions of televisions it wouldn't translate because they were still working in black and white so if you're watching this show on black and white with uh with the uh the rabbit ears antenna i don't know that that papier mache uh boulder is getting noticed as much but Pete, it was shot on film it's been digitally remastered just just had two more moves there of the the eyelids yes. on the gorn so
1: tremendous design on the on the eyes there. Matt, you mentioned Hugh though. I'm sorry. That's Star Trek the Next Generation.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Um here we have to the uh the uh universal translator. Another example of this this kind of compact uh, uh compact design that Star Trek is so well known for. Um where it just it kind of looks futuristic and looks like a device and and therefore it works
1: and it might dole out your medicine as well
0: (laughs) by the way pete and now we're going to get real nitpicky on the trivia as he's holding the uh the uh universal translator there you can see the rare white undergarment uh and uh, this is an episode that was shot in november so perhaps it's just uh just some uh you know a thermal shirt to help keep old
1: shatner warm Well, given as they are on the, uh, the Vasquez rocks there, Matt, uh, you never know as far as the, uh, the air temperatures. It's not as if we have a, uh, thermometer to read out there.
0: (laughs) Speaking of Vasquez rocks, uh, one of the times I was in LA, uh, decided to go check out Vasquez rocks, which is a good 45 minutes North of LA. It still is Los Angeles County, um, and it kind of it feels so far out not you know far out man but it's it's such a distance that it's like could this be it could this be it and then out of the blue you start to see these peaks and it's like maybe this is it then you take the exit for it because i had you know looked it up on on uh whatever whatever uh it might have been pete before google maps if you can imagine such a thing but you turn the corner there which as we're looking here kirk kind of running up the running up the shape you you the road is past that, so you drive kind of toward the back of the rock. And you just turn the corner, and it's like, there it is, there it is. And to, to to park there to see this stuff that's that is still there, it's uh, it's it's an absolutely incredible sight. And by the way, Pete, you in no way can tell which stuff the production has added to be special tools for Kirk here, like <laughs> ge- geodes and whatnot and vines, bamboo,
1: <laughs> <laughs> things such as this. Just just seem like, like they belong there. But uh, again, you're talking about a legendary location utilized for westerns and just about every other genre. Still is really um, just nowhere near on that scale. But, uh, you know, so closely associated with this production, the number of times they were able to get it to stand in for strange new worlds. I know even it's been used
0: in shows like CSI. It showed up in an episode where, you know, darn it if somebody hasn't been murdered in the desert. And it's just, I, th- I think there's a certain point where you go to use it and it it's a wink and a nudge to, to the audience and certainly to to any production. Um, but also, I mean, where else do you get desert and then this incredible harsh shape? Oftentimes otherworldly, as you said, but, you know, in the case of CSI, it was just, you know, guy in the desert that, that whatever, and there Shatler goes running up the uh, running up the running up the mountain, the cliff.
1: I think the thing that this episode really started. We have a number of these types of episodes across several series. You know, certainly the the Next Generation episode Darmok comes to mind. Really, a spiritual successor to this episode.
0: Like the uh, sudden and random inclusion of that boulder at the very top that <laughs> was not there in larger and in, in wider shots. You know?
1: How did that form there? And now it's up there. But, you know, we, again, suspend disbelief, Matt, so that he can try to crush a giant lizard man with it.
0: And again, yes, there's some willful suspension of disbelief. Yes, there's the, oh, if only they had a bigger budget. There's also just... You know these things were designed to be watched once, maybe twice, and uh, as I said before, a whole bunch of people are watching them on rabbit ears, watching them on black and white TVs. So it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't look fantastic, but it gets gets your episode out the door that day.
1: Well, I don't know how your viewing habits with uh, the original series went, but uh, I know that we were both watching them over WPIX out of New York channel 11. Oh yeah. And what we saw when these aired, usually on a Saturday afternoon, uh, if it was uh, warm enough outside and, and even if it wasn't, we were outside and it was monkey see monkey do man. And I can't tell you the number of times we tried to roll boulders on to uh you know my brothers or another unsuspecting child <laughs> and possibly commit murder uh to to blame star trek but wait he was the gorn and i was kirk that time
0: <laughs> of course you're the gorn uh not dead pete just takes the slightest movement of his shoulder to move that paper mache i mean that boulder there <laughs> um
1: well Look, it's clearly heavy, Matt. It just went down the hill under its own weight. We've got the, the vine trap here. Uh, Kirk, stop paying. Oh, he wasn't paying attention, man. Look at all those paper mache rocks come crash it <laughs> down there. And that those two actual real rocks.
0: That's that's where you say, all right, Bill, we need you to sell this. We need you to make <laughs> this look good. And I would even argue this particular shot here of the Gorin coming into frame out of focus in the distance I mean that's not an elegant shot, but that sells it, man. Because it's like it you're is. on Kirk, you're on Kirk, and all of a sudden he's getting close.
1: Think of, okay, you know we're in the the latter part of the '60s. We we fade to to black there to go to the act break, but we're latter part of the '60s. You know we've had the 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 swamp monster 3D movies where the thing slowly you know stalks you. Okay, well, let's do it in outer space here, and and let's have them square off uh, on a on a planet, and uh, give them some uh, devices and technology and everything like that. It's completely believable. And previously, we we're talking on a on a um, a film budget, and now we're doing it on TV. And, and I mean, you
0: mentioned the budget issue there the fact that they've come up with a story that is um that is an elegant way to use i don't know if it was an la county park at this point but to use a fairly accessible alien looking location that's outdoors again all this outdoor stuff is being shot at the same place whether it's the rock or the the, the rancho that's on the other side that was uh, cestus three um so you're kind of getting your bang for the buck, and that all right. You need Shatner, you need a stunt guy, you need a, a, a the other stunt guy in the Gorn suit, and you need your your film crew, and you can kind of go out there and make it happen. And Pete, this is an episode that was given an extra day to film. They they planned seven days when normally it was six. They got this done in seven in uh, in six days,
1: and you can see why. Clearly, there's. Uh the space to roam. Um, you know, they, they brought what they needed and, you know, they they got it done. I think it's something... They overplan today in TV, obviously with, uh, you know, network schedules being what they are and sweeps and everything like that. And it often becomes so much more complicated than it needs to be and that they did it in less time uh, completely understandable given what they were doing and a, a can-do attitude i mean th- again those 29 those 31st first season episodes that you know those days are gone man that's never happening again i mean we had we had the the charlie sheen show that what he shot like 100 straight episodes or like 80 straight episodes at one point on on fx and
0: right right you know
1: it got very little attention because they knew obviously his volatility and and everything else going on there, but they were like, all right, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to crank out scripts. We're going to crank out shows. And, and there you go. We're, we're never going to see something like this. Um, again,
0: I think you were right. And, and in watching, uh, kind of even, very contemporary shows like, uh, like say, Westworld, where, oh, there's all these twists and turns and mysteries. I, I think that the audience, for better or worse, has become used to these richer bites of television, certainly, but then also these smaller bites where you say, oh, here's your 13, and then that's it for the year. And and Pete, oh, if it's Fargo, and, and, and they're only going to film in the winter, so it might be 18 months, it might be 20 months in between seasons, versus they're cranking out, Another episode of Star Trek, the original series, every six days. And part of it is made possible, Pete, by what's going on here, that our crew back at the soundstage gets to see Kirk on the TV.
1: Right. You know, tasting the potassium nitrate here, able to do this. And, you know, we we talk all the time about how the uh, the technology of Star Trek has influenced our own um I was walking through a, a Walmart the other day, and a, a low-hanging camera. I'd been in this other Walmart recently. Uh, this is a brand new thing, should say. We're recording this the day before uh, Thanksgiving, 2016, so Black Friday is right around the the corner. Don't know if this is, you know, meant explicitly as a security measure, but here's this two-sided uh, small TV screen hanging down. Big sign you are being recorded. And I'm watching myself walk through as uh, other people are are watching me elsewhere.
0: <laughs> Pete, you were the star of your own reality show for the 2.5 seconds it took <laughs> to, to walk through there. It, it's like we've discussed a little bit uh, off mic. Maybe we are each the star of a Truman Show for someone
1: else. Well, I know I am.
0: <laughs> um. But joking aside it is it is narratively efficient where you've gone and shot this footage of Kirk uh and whatnot and and there needs to we need to get back to the crew and the crew needs to be concerned about him and commenting on him, particularly since he can't share dialogue with you know we just found that he can talk to the Gorn but but there's nobody to kind of um give us inner monologue um so fine, they're watching from afar because. You know the the uh, the Metron say so, um, and science fiction, and uh, you kind of <laughs> you kind of don't really notice that it's also you know it's been lovingly lovingly edited with cut for close up and cut for wide shot and cut to Gorn coming around the corner.
1: And herein lies the philosophical rub of this episode. You know, did we intrude in their space? Had they in, truly intruded in ours? Uh, Kirk and Sp- Spock uh and and Bones you know used to having these round robin debates but here Kirk in the action and uh the the debate left to Spock and McCoy as they watch their comrade unable to do anything
0: <laughs> and Spock the uh the armchair quarterback there the armchair captain urging him on um again it's a really narratively efficient way for him to communicate to the audience what's going on, even though Kirk isn't going to sit there and Kirk won't narrate his own story because that's not how the visual medium works. But but we have our, our other viewers, our fellow viewers in, in terms of the crew to narrate for us.
1: He's hurt. He's limping. Uh, there's a sense of urgency. And I just get the feeling the decision to put this on the enterprise view screen as opposed to just have this be the picture we're, uh, you know, viewing through our TV ups the drama.
0: There, there is something slightly video game about it where it's just kind of this like, go here to get the sulfur. Go there <laughs> to get the charcoal. Oh, I'm sorry. You can only carry one thing at a time if you were carrying the bamboo, then you could put multiple things
1: in it. Well, but, let's hope he doesn't go off on a side quest.
0: <laughs> Again, though, I mean, we kind of return to this idea of, yeah, it seems almost like a, a step-by-step video game narrative. There's just one problem. When it was made, there were no video game narratives, so it's it's all the fresher.
1: Really helping to influence that type of storytelling as well. He referenced Westworld before the idea of uh, loops and and where we are with science fiction right now in terms of uh, robots and storytelling and everything there but you know here's here's the other, here's the alien, here's the thing outside of us that's different than us uh, thrust into conflict boy, I wonder if that as a metaphor will ever take off Matt
0: <laughs> well certainly I, I think part of the reason we chose this episode, it's not just a good old classic episode but it's it's uh, it's a little bit of a down home reminder that uh, at least amongst us uh, us uh, mammalian uh creatures of the galaxy, you know that there could be a certain sort of uh, uh of fellowship and uh, and and whatnot. I mean, I don't know, I guess you could take the metaphor the other way, you know, find the Gorn in your life and destroy them. Um, <laughs> probably is not the Star Trek message, but just I don't know there's a certain. The gorn here is an analog for such an other that that cannot be um, cannot be reasoned with that, that that must be dealt
1: with. And of course, you could barely see the uh, the seams there and the the cuts on the bamboo that uh, make it appear that it's probably not an actual piece of bamboo, but some kind of manufactured thing that they've dressed to look like bamboo but he's wrapped the cords around it he's he's putting everything in it and he's preparing to defend himself against this lizard man
0: it's it must be an interesting acting challenge for the assembled bridge crew where your job is to pretend to see things off screen and react to it with increasing amounts of alarm um there's a certain degree where, you, as the director, you say to them, you, know, you guys are actually uh, carrying the story here because if people aren't quite sure what Kirk is doing, uh, it's going to be up to uh, McCoy and Spock and Uhura and, and Scotty, Scotty who has not said something in quite some time. Um, <laughs> it's up to them to carry the, the message to the audience.
1: How savage are the Gorn's legs, by the way, Matt?
0: The, Pete... They are a muscular species. There's no doubting that. Uh, I suspect that perhaps they had a a point one two five gravity rating relative <laughs> to uh, relative to Earth. Um, again, I mean, e- even these wide shots like this—it's the stuff of nightmares—to be caught, to be trying to escape some sort of strange monster creature. To be desperately trying to do something about it, but you can't. I mean, there, re- there really is an aspect here that just—that becomes oh, the nightmare. Oh, right
1: in face!
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed, Pete, right in the face. He got he got the diamonds all in his face and his body.
1: And there, you know, you you see him laying. It's it's effective that they have the little diamond chunks and the and the blood squirting on down and here comes Kirk in with the, with the, uh, you know, the, the rock uh, that's been honed down. And uh, Matt, we, we come back to humanity. Indeed.
0: This, this notion of, of staying the hand of, uh, of, of brotherhood, regardless of, of, of difference. um, And also that, I mean, that, there's a simple beauty to that, that in this monster, he finds, you know, he finds another captain. He he finds himself, which is the hallmark of any great story, Pete, because we're supposed to find ourselves in this story as well.
1: And as he lets the metrons know he's he's not gonna do it, and suddenly the the Gorn vanishes, we realize. Uh, apart from the fact that uh, a a rather uh, greek looking uh, person has appeared here that uh, this is what makes humanity special
0: I think that it's just phenomenal um it's phenomenal Pete that we as podcasters have adopted the the metron uh, outfit as, as our as our podcasting <laughs> garb.
1: Well, I am particularly a fan of the the bl- blonde ringlets. I really <laughs> spend a lot of time every day uh, trying to perfect that. I've long been wearing blue eyeshadow, but uh, to to get the the ringlets going, like uh, Tony Tony uh, Curtis and Spartacus, you know that that's an important thing.
0: And uh, equally important, we kind of have. We have the life lesson, perhaps, perhaps a bit over telegraphed, but Pete, here we are, all these years after the episode aired. If it's over telegraphed, maybe it's because it's a lesson we still need to hear. Kirk has won because he has showed a a, a civilized sense of uh, of uh, propriety and, and maturity. Here, the Metron's saying, you know, maybe in a thousand years or so, they can they can reach an agreement that that uh, that we as humans. Uh, are still half savage but there still is hope pete and if that's not a uh, if that's not an appropriate message i don't know what is
1: yeah and and timely perhaps matt but boom back on the bridge there of course everybody's got to come around from their consoles because they're not quite sure it's really captain kirk reappearing there how did he do that without the transporter um you know or ohura is always the quickest to smile on the bridge it's something i think that endears her even more as a character in our hearts uh but you know as as we wrap up here this episode uh sulu talking about the constellations and everything else like that not quite where it should be <laughs>
0: Pete, 500 parsecs. Did the Enterprise just do the Kessel run in 500 parsecs?
1: Uh, Matt, we're not going to go into that because clearly we know one, no Star Trek fan is a fan of Star Wars. I'm, I'm kidding. And uh, we know, of course, that one is a unit of time, not speed. <laughs> Indeed. Um,
0: nice little moment there, uh, uh... Uh, a little bit ago where uh where bones gives uh gives kirk the uh the the friendly slap on the uh on the oh shoulder to just kind of you know to say welcome back and then then he quickly exits uh there's a certain pace to this episode there's the framework and the pace to suggest you know oh quick action adventure but they are you You can see the the camaraderie here you can see the uh the connections between the actors and of course you can also see uh see that life lesson at the end of uh you know we have a little time there to 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 keep getting more civilized
1: so as they head out there as at a leisurely warp one Matt, we head into uh maybe maybe the greatest credit sequence in the history of tv
0: oh the closing credits yes absolutely definitely always uh worth a watch uh by the way pete there was a uh, there was a story credit to uh to a guy there at the at the end credits uh it turns out that this episode was written uh independent of any other story knowledge but somebody discovered that there was a science fiction story written in the 40s called arena so they quick bought the rights to it and then proceeded with their episode uh, just about completed as it was at that point.
1: So very rare that you get one nay two stills from the episode that you're watching in the closing credits of star Trek, always uh, something worth looking for. You get that uh, shot there of the uh, Orion slave girl. Oh, we didn't get Baylock. <laughs> uh I
0: like that in the remastered version, they have left the stills looking kind of dirty. You know, it's kind of this, uh, I know with the, with the Sistine Chapel, I believe it is, there's a little patch that they left uh, uncleaned when they did the, the, the cleaning efforts about 20 years ago, just to say, look, this is what was. And I like that there's that little hint there of, this is how you used to watch Star Trek. You used to watch Star Trek on an old film copy that had been passed around by different TV stations, and now you're getting it you know, late '80s on WPIX for the uh, July Fourth marathon.
1: There's some grit to it, and it beyond showing its age, it shows its uh, realism for want of a better term. There that you know these these are beloved; they're passed around, and uh, the print shows that. Well, Pete, in the in the bask
0: of uh, of that message of uh, the. The call to uh, to showing restraint and uh, moving towards a greater civilization. And uh, in the in the pre-glow of uh, American Thanksgiving happening tomorrow, this has certainly been quite a thrill to uh, look back on the Classic Trek episode arena.
1: Absolutely. As we bide our time between announcements with uh, Star Trek Discovery, it's been a joy here sharing these with our listeners.
0: If you are listening to this on the Pop Culture podcast, by fantastic geek feed uh we will be back next week as agents of shield returns to the uh to the airwaves if you're listening to this on the uh discovery star trek podcast uh feed we will definitely update as there's any series news and uh also continue with some looks back to uh, star treks of the past pete 24 hours ago we were discussing not doing the arena commentary but instead talking about this uh breaking news for casting and it seems it hasn't Quite held up, uh, at least to, to official status, so we certainly are looking forward to breaking the news as news breaks. Any day now, Matt, we'll be doing it. Fun, fun, fun. Well, Pete, something else that we always do is keep in touch with our listeners, so let's start with you. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L-A-R-L- 8,598 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast day or night, regardless of whatever the star date is, regardless of whatever the star time is. (laughs) uh, We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with the PH. You can find us on fantasticgeek.com, fantasticgeek at gmail, fantastic geek on twitter and instagram as well but wait pete there's more
1: facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word there like it today you'll be plugged into everything we do in the star trek universe in the marvel cinematic universe
0: well pete we will be back talking pop culture before you know it so with that i will say thank you to all our listeners and give you pete the final word
1: Happy Thanksgiving.